What a good place to be tonight, gathered together in the house of the Lord, and it's good to see each and every one out, and uh, I definitely appreciate your presence here uh, this evening, and not for myself, but for the Lord, and I'm thankful for each and every one. You'll never regret the time that you set forth to spend time in God's house, and I trust that if you're like me this week, I know that I have been preaching, um, but God has refreshed my soul. And it's been such a privilege and an honor of mine just to be simply able to be a part of these worship services. And uh, as our sister prayed, you know, as tonight would be the final sermon in the scheduled revival service, we want to continue to seek the face of God for that which he began that he would continue. And so we just encourage you that how God has spoken to your heart this week would be something that you would continue to nurture and continue to grow in your life. And this uh, is something tonight I want to share with you, very simple, simple thought. And I was praying today as what God would have very much for just kind of this uh, finalizing sermon to these revival services. And I have a simple thought that I want to share with you um, simply out of the book of Mark chapter number 14, Mark chapter number 14. Again, I'm thankful for a lot of my family stopping in and taking time just to be able to be here. I appreciate their support so very, very much. And uh, my sister here with us tonight, um, also um, my cousin Bethany, and then I saw the Crotzers sneak in in the back, and I appreciate you guys coming tonight, and uh, as well as others as well. I, I don't like getting the name and names because you, you all know I forgot my dad on Sunday. You know, and that means that I'm likely to forget other people. So, but I appreciate all my family that stopped in throughout this week. And it's definitely been a blessing, just added time that we're able to spend with one another. But uh, as we're looking here in Mark chapter number 14 today, this is a very familiar passage in the Word of God. It's something you've probably been familiar with. And if you're not, that's okay, because we're just going to touch base on a few simple things this evening, this is a text specifically that I've preached out of several times in the ministry that God has called me to. And uh, what I love about the Word of God is, is that, that the more that you study, the more that you see. And as we grow in our walk with the Lord, you can read something over and over and over again. And as you continue to grow in your faith and in your walk with God, you'll see things that you did not see the last time you read it. And this was something that uh, was very, very similar to that, uh, very much so that I want to share with you this evening and out of Mark chapter number 14. We're going to start our reading in verse number 3 and we're going to read about six or seven verses. So bear with us as we just get through those verses as we read them together. Just kind of want to make sure that we capture the details about uh, this event um, that happened in the life of Jesus Christ, our Savior. And we want to just apply that to us tonight. We want to make sure everyone fully understands exactly what's going on before we get into the core of the sermon tonight. So with that being said, if you have your place in Mark 14, if you're able to stand, would you stand with me for the reading and honoring of God's Word? Mark chapter number 14, we'll start in verse number 3. And being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment, a spikenard, very precious, and she broke the box and poured it on his head. And there were some that had indignation within themselves, so they were angry. And said, why was this ointment or this waste of the ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and have been given to the poor. And they murmured against her. And Jesus said, let her alone. Why trouble you her? 
She hath wrought a good work on me. For you have the poor with you always, and whensoever you will, you may do them good, but me you have not always. She hath done what she could. She has come aforehand to anoint my body to the bearing. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout all the world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of for a memorial of her. Our specific text in this uh, series of, of verses that we had read is verse number 8. Uh, if you underline in your Bible, you may want to underline the passage in verse number 8 or the portion that says, She hath done what she could. And that's what I want to preach to you tonight, that she hath done what she could. Let's pray. Father, again, in the name of Jesus, I just want to thank you. God, I can't tell you again how much of a privilege that it is, Lord, that you have just simply allowed me to be with these dear people and God be a part of worship. Lord, declaring your truth in your word. Father, tonight again, I point to heaven. And Lord, I understand and know that it's you for your honor and glory, God, for the work that was done in the hearts this week. God, that which you're going to do this evening. And Father, we pray as we gather together, if there's someone here today that doesn't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I pray today would be the day of salvation for them. If there's one here, God, that's wayward on you, God, that once was saved, but God has just kind of fallen by the wayside, I pray, Lord, that you'd restore that one this evening. And I pray, God, that you'd strengthen the servant's heart, God, that we'd all be able to say that we've done what we could. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. What we see here in reference of doing what you can, or that... I really see here a great testimony that this woman had. The fact that Jesus said she has done what she could. I understand that that seems like a tremendously simple statement to make. But I believe that it's incredibly powerful. The fact that literally this woman had a testimony that she had done what she could. That means she did everything within her power to try to be a blessing under the Lord Jesus Christ. But when you and I, if we're going to come to a place that it can be said of us by the Lord that we have done what we could, we're going to encounter something here. And I want you to see here that doing what you can for the Lord, doing what you can to serve Him, it always starts with what you got. It starts with what you got. Now, by way of what she had, we see three simple things here. And this is just by way of introduction. Uh, We understand that the Bible says that it was was literally an ointment, an alabaster alabaster box of ointment, uh, a jar of ointment of spikenard. It was very precious. This was a specific ointment. It was very, very valuable. And it was something that was considered a very uh, prized possession if someone would be blessed to be able to have one of these uh, very special uh, boxes of ointment. So it was highly precious, meaning that it meant something to her. It was something that had a great value, not just because of the money that it took in order to buy such a thing, but literally it was of great value because this woman, it was her most prized possession that she would have had. Now, I believe that physically speaking, now, uh, obviously, uh, my salvation is a prized possession. It's my most prized possession. I'm thankful that God's given me the gift of salvation and of knowing Him. But when we talk about physical things by way of prized possessions, all of us probably have different things that we're thinking of if we're thinking about things that are physical that would be considered a prized possession. Outside of, you know, husband and wife and children, if we deal with something like this woman had, which was literally a physical possession, I can personally tell you that one one of 
My most prized possessions, and I've shared this back in Ohio uh, where we live uh, with uh, the church that I pastor as well. But I have something that has been in my family for several generations. And it is something that none of you in here could give me enough money for. I would not buy, I would not sell it whatsoever. And not for anything. You could give me 10 grand and I will not. It's not worth 10 grand. But I would not give this thing up. It's something that belonged to my grandmother's dad that went to my grandmother that went to my father that became something that's mine. And it is something that I have. It happens to be a firearm, praise God. But nonetheless, it is something... It is something that belongs to me. It's something that was handed down. I consider it very, very precious. I have the same thing by way of another firearm. Firearms, well, I guess I'm a hillbilly. Firearms are precious to me, praise God. But nonetheless, it's something that, that you can't give me money for. I won't sell it for nothing. And I could literally say that someone could probably come to me and offer me maybe half a million dollars and I'd really have to consider selling such a thing because there's certain things in life that I don't believe that you can put a value of money on. They are just simply that precious. And it's more of how I got it. And that it's something that came from my family, from one to another to another. And I want you to understand someday that my oldest daughter's fixing to get the very thing, whether she wants it or not. <laughs> But it's something to me that's considered precious. So I'm sure that there are other folks here today that could probably say that you have something like this that's precious. And I use that example to drive home the fact that this was not just something this woman had two or three of. This was not something that that just woman had sitting on the shelf and said, you know what, I think I'm going to put this to use today. This woman, this was something that was extremely precious to her. It's something that when she looked at, it would have brought her comfort because of why that she had this. So we see that it was precious, but also it was very valuable. Not just emotionally or relationally, but literally physically, this was something that was very valuable. The Bible says 300 pence. Pence literally is another word for denarion. And literally that was just simply... um, Basically a currency that was very common in this day and this time. But to you and I, we really think, well, what's really a denarion now? You know, we have American money and pennies and dimes and nickels that really don't do much for us anymore. But nonetheless, here is something that this woman, if you really look at, I wanted to break it down so my simple mind could really understand just how much is 300 pence. What could you buy? That's what I ask. I say, what could you buy with 300 pence? You know, because a lot of us see that and say, oh, that's 300 pennies. And now 300 pennies don't even get you 300 Swedish fish. (laughs) Uh, Just prices going up all over the place. When I was a kid, I'll tell you, we could make our beds for a week, get us $2. And we'd have 200 of those things on Friday. And it was wonderful. Can't do that no more. But 300 pence is something completely different. Now, 300 pence, the fact that this woman made a purchase for 300 pence for this, 300 pence in this day and time, okay, not our day and time, but in the day and time in which we've read, this is what it could buy. 300 large meals, not just feed two or three people, but about seven or eight people. 300 large meals could be bought, literally, with 300 pence. And look at the, why, the reason why some people murmured and said, look at all this thing. This could be sold. All the money could be given to the poor. And look at all that it could have done. So it could have literally purchased 300 large meals. It could have purchased approximately 600 gallons of flour. Okay? It could have purchased 15 calves. And it could have purchased 75 lambs. If this was liquidated, come into the money, that she could literally buy this much. Okay, not total, but individually. 15 calves or 75 lambs. She could have rented a house for six in years and three months. Actually, six years and four months. She could have rented a house. 
And this amount of money could have purchased 3,600 loaves of bread in that day and time. So you understand why the disciples, uh, literally when you read other gospel accounts, you see, you know, Judas was the one that murmured, but there were other folks that murmured with him. As we read here, it mentions there was a murmuring. And so literally, this is why that they did so, because they knew how much this cost. Now, 300 pence was, was, one pence was about a day's wage for a vineyard worker. I don't know about you, but I'm not someone who could work for 300 days and save every dime and make a purchase that year. A lot of folks, if you're fixing to try to save up about 80% of your salary, it takes you more than one year. That's just common to a lot of folks today. This is something this woman worked probably most of her life trying to save the money in order to buy this alabaster box of ointment. So it was simply very precious to her, but also of a very high price. But then finally, it had a very high purpose. This was something that would have been used the day that she died. Her body would have been anointed with this, and it would have been a smell that was very unique. And any time that someone would smell this smell, they would think of her. And so it was a a memorial, something that would be used the day that she would die to bring comfort to those That would be a part of her funeral procession and her ceremony. So it was a very, very great value. A high price, very precious, completely. Now this this is exactly what this woman gave unto the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, notice that she had some limits. She had some limits. All of us have limits. All of us do. We have physical limits. This woman, her limit was by way of persons. It was something she did by herself. She didn't have a multitude of people that were doing this. This was something that she did personally. It was not something that she had help to do. This was something that she did all by herself. I personally believe as a child of God that each and every one of us, once you're saved, you do have a personal, individual ministry. Yes, we belong to a body of Christ. Yes, we ought to belong to a church. But I believe that we personally should be ministering each and every day of our lives. People say to me sometimes, well, I just don't know what the Lord's will for is for my life. Well, number one, it's to get saved. Are you saved or not? That's God's will for your life, that you would give your heart to Jesus Christ. And then number two, that you would serve him each and every day to the best way that you possibly could. All of us have an individual personal ministry. It don't matter if you're 90 years old. It doesn't matter if you're 8 years old. If you're a child of God, then you have some sort of way that you can minister, that you can do something for the Lord Jesus Christ. We tend to think sometimes that until we reach adulthood, then we don't have, uh, only at that point, do we need to actually get serious about serving God. We should be serious about serving God from the day that we get saved. And that's the way that it's supposed to be. This woman, it was something that she didn't do with everyone. She did it by herself. Also, she had a limit of possessions, meaning, as I already said it, she didn't have two or three of these. This was it. She had one. This is all that she had. This was the greatest possession that she had. She didn't have two or three of these on the shelf. It's not like it was say, oh, well, you know what? I have three of these. I think I'll give one away. This woman, this was all that she had. This was her most prized possession. So she had limits. She was all by herself when she did this. This was all that she had by way of the most prized possession. But even the popularity was a limit. Sometimes we think you need to be famous in order to do great things for the Lord. This woman, the Bible doesn't even say who she was. 
Now, there are folks sometimes who will look at these. There are other uh, gospel accounts that give details about the anointings. Uh, um, ladies that came to anoint Jesus Christ. And there are gospel accounts that give names. But when you study them out, you'll see that at least two of those, Jesus was in two different places. And the time from the Passover was two different times. And one was named a sinner woman and the other one was named Mary. And so here, the Bible in Mark does not even say who she was. It just gives a general description that there was a woman who came. This woman did not have great influence whatsoever. The Bible doesn't say who she was. And the truth of the matter is, it doesn't matter who she was. It doesn't matter who her name was. And the the point is, I believe that the Bible gives us this kind of description to encourage us that you do not have to be famous to do something wonderful for the Lord. And so you see this woman, she had limits just like you and I. Just like you and I, she had limits. Also, the final thing by way of limits, Jesus in verse 7, he said, you won't always have the ability to do something for me. That's what Jesus told him. This woman had an opportunity to do something then and there, and she took it. Let me tell you something. Contrary to what we would think, what we would hope, there are certain opportunities in this life that once they pass you by, you will never get again. Never. Now, sometimes you'll do. You will get another opportunity just like it. Sometimes it comes back around. But for example, witnessing. You may, you may have an opportunity to witness to someone, and I want you to understand, you may never, for that specific person, get an opportunity to witness to them again. But we like to think, you know what, I'll get them next time. Well, you know what, sometimes there's not a next time. You're looking at somebody that literally, I thought that one time, and the person, I can tell you to my own shame, that I felt in my heart that I was supposed to witness, got sick and died before I could ever get to them and ask them if they knew Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I don't say that because I'm proud of it today. I say that to tell you that I've made the mistake, and I know what it's like. So this woman had an opportunity right then and right there to do something for Jesus, and she did not let it pass her by. It's so important that you and I would be living in such a way that we understand that we have limits. We don't control time. We don't control things that come to us when they do and when they don't. It is important for you and I to understand that we ought not to live recklessly or carelessly, but I believe we ought to be living on purpose because you and I do not have the guarantee that we're going to get in. You know, the truth of the matter is, every time that I get up to preach, I say, Lord, just one more time. Maybe this is the last time. I have no idea. You would say, well, you're 38. Well, listen, I'm not planning on dying, but I've made plans if I do, praise God. But I have no idea if this is the last time that I'll ever stand in front of anyone and tell them about a God who loves them. I have no idea. So when I get up, I say, Lord, let it be like this is the last time, the first time, the best time. I just want to give my best for you one more time. It's important for us to understand that you and I don't have the control over if we're going to get another opportunity to do something for the Lord. And so this woman is a beautiful example of somebody who did it right then and right there. The devil wants us to start thinking about it and say, well, Lord, is, are we sure that this is you? And start saying, well, this person's probably going to say no. Or this person's probably going to react like this. When you start turning them over, the best thing to do is just shut that door and just start walking towards what you are sitting here arguing if you're supposed to witness to someone or do something for someone or not. The truth of the matter is this woman had an opportunity to do something for Jesus and she almost, if she wouldn't have done it, she'd have lost her opportunity. It was so close to Jesus giving his life on Calvary. This woman, this was her last shot and this was her first shot and she took advantage of this situation. Now, I said all that. I'm just going to go through these, these three points real quick. Someone say amen, preacher. There we go. There we go. Now we're going to go real fast. No. 
if you want to be able to say that you've done what you could, you're going you're gonna to encounter about these three things, I figure. And you could probably add more, and that's fine. That's fine. But for sake of time, I'm just going to touch on three. Number one, when you have done what you could, folks, when you have done what you could, number one, it will be considered a waste to some people. It's going to be considered a waste to some people. Bible says here that there were folks that seen what she did, and all they were looking at was the possession, how much it was worth. Oh, you could have done so much better here, and oh, you could have done so much better there. Don't you love all them people that like to tell you how to do things? But don't lift one finger to do it themselves. Here are, I want you to understand, in this Christian life, you will have people that will not be in your corner. You will have people that think that you're absolutely crazy if you come here Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and whenever else the house of the Lord's doors are open. They'll think that you're crazy, like you're above and over the top. But I think you're crazy when you don't do those things. I think if you love the Lord that you'll be here every single chance that you possibly have. I work like everyone else. I'm busy like everyone else. But I always would rather be in the house of God. I would always rather do something to the Lord when I can. And some people think that I'm crazy. Some of you do too. But literally, folks, you will encounter folks who literally will consider it a waste for you to just do what you can for the Lord. There will be folks that they'll be children of God just like you, but they won't be in love with Jesus as much as you are. Not everyone loves the Lord as much as the next person. Did you know that? And the truth of the matter is, there'll be people who might mean well, but they'll be like, listen, you don't need to be so hardcore. You don't need to push so hard. I don't know about you, but I'm fixing to leave some of those folks in the dust. I don't have time for that in my life. I'm serving the Lord. I'm not serving other people. I am serving God. And I want you to understand there are folks that have said to me already and think that I'm crazy because I do this. And they think you're crazy because you do this and you do these things. Just like this woman, she didn't come there to be seen of a single person. In fact, I believe she probably was dealing with the fact that she knows people's going to be staring at her. But you know what? She also got to a place where she said, I don't care no more. And she just went ahead and did what she could. So number one, when you have done what you could for the Lord, there are going to be people that are going to think that you're crazy. I want you to understand, teenagers, you've got to, I guarantee you, you believe it or not, when I was younger, used to be a teenager. I know it's profound, but the truth of the matter is, all of us used to be teenagers. But, and listen, I don't believe it's done change too much since I was in school. It was the same process, the same people, the same groups here and there. But I want you to understand, I know that it's not popular to serve God. I know that it's not popular to, to literally take a stand for Jesus in a public school. I know that it's not popular, but do you understand that you can actually do what you can? You can take those opportunities that God give you. I want you to understand something right now. I graduated, believe it or not, a really long time ago, in 2001. And you know, there is literally, to my knowledge, one person out of that entire school, other than your youth pastor, he turned out, he went to the same school I did, and we just met the other day, but then I guess that's two people from my school that I even associate or have spoken to within the past year, or even longer than that. And yet, when we're in that situation, we let what they think influence us. And it's not just teenagers. It's all the way around the board. There will be people, when you're trying to do what you can for the Lord, that they'll consider it a waste of time and effort. 
I think it's a waste of time and effort to not be doing these things. And literally this woman, they said, why was this ointment, the waste of this ointment made? There was a murmuring from other people. They were misjudging her is what they were doing. A lot of people have a lot of things to say about the way that you live your life in the Lord. A lot of people have a lot of things to say. Many times they do so because sometimes the way that you're living bothers them. If we're being honest, the way that you live for the Lord and the stands that you take, the things that you won't do, the things that you won't say, the places you won't go, many times they will bring conviction on someone else. I'm not trying to live in a way that bothers someone else. I'm trying to live in a way that pleases my heavenly father. But I do realize in doing so that there will be some people who are not living that way that it's going to bother them. And they probably going to have something to say about it. We ought to be prepared for those things. They ought not to be someone who hinders us from doing what we can. So that's number one. Number two, it will not only be considered a waste to some, it will be considered of great worth to the Savior. And that makes it worth it. Jesus said, she hath wrought, means she had done a good work on me. He said, she'd done something good. You're talking like she'd done something bad and she could have done something better. He said, she'd done the best thing that she could have done. He said, she has done what she could. She had literally pleased the Savior. I don't know about you, but sometimes I think how much of a blessing that it is that me, simple me, simple me, That God somehow, simple you, we're all simple, I understand. All of us, literally, individually, have the ability that God gave us to actually do something in this life that would actually bring a smile to the creator of heaven and earth. Does that ever occur to you that you can do something right here in this church house tonight that would literally cause your heavenly father to look at you and smile? I don't know about you, but that's some motivation. Jesus was pleased with what this woman had done. He was pleased in so much that he's the one that went at the people that had something to say. See, you and I don't always have to take the stick to the hornet's nest, folks. You understand that you can scroll on Facebook and scroll right on by and not have to say a word. You understand that it's not always our responsibility to go up and really try to rebuke somebody. Hey, listen, sometimes it warrants it. Matthew 18. Reader, it's there. But we don't always have to say something to someone that comes against me. Truth of the matter is, my defense is God. And Jesus right here, this woman did not acknowledge these men. She did not acknowledge what they said. She did not let it hinder her. She was there to do something for the Lord regardless of what people said or thought. And Jesus is the one that actually defended her. And I would rather have Jesus defend me, don't take it personally, than any of y'all. And I'm sure it would be the same way that you could say that of me. We would rather have Jesus defend us. And that's exactly what took place. She literally, when she'd done what she could, it was considered a waste to some people. It was also considered of great worth to the Savior. And here's the last thing. This is extremely powerful. It was considered a witness to the world. To the world. Not just to the room. Not just to the people in the city. It was something that ended up being a witness to the entire world. You say, how, preacher? Because I just read it. I wasn't there. I didn't see it happen. Neither did you. 
But do you know how many people for almost 2,000 years that have been reading this very account from this woman? It has been a witness to what she's done. We don't know her name. We only know what she done. We only know who she did it to. And we only see the lesson that remains for you and I. But what she did was something that outlived her. Some of y'all, when I leave here in about five months, you're going to forget my name. And that's okay. I don't, don't take it personally. I'm going to forget some of y'all's name. I'll remember your faces, but I might forget your name. And you know what's going to happen? Someday I'm going to die. Cold hard truth. Someday if the Lord tarries, I will die. I know that. You will too. Every one of us in this room, if the Lord tarries 100 years, I doubt everyone in this room, where you're at right now is fixing to live 100 more years. I doubt it. Maybe one or two, but I don't know. I doubt it. There is nothing that I can do to make someone remember my name in a hundred years. This woman did something that lasted a whole lot longer than a hundred years. Actually, about 20 times a hundred years. This woman did something only purposing. She didn't do it because she wanted to be remembered. That's not the point. She didn't do it to be standing out in front of people. And the truth of the matter is, I personally, and I'm sure a lot of you are like the same way, I don't like to stand out. When I was in sixth grade, I gave a book, record, book report and passed out in class. And God called me to be a preacher. <laughs> yeah, amen. <laughs> I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. <laughs> what this woman did was a witness to the world. No one knew her name. But what she did, she didn't do it to be seen of anybody. She just knew the Lord was right there. And she just wanted to do what she could. And I find that you and I really have trouble a lot of times doing what we can because we're doing what we shouldn't be doing. We're spending time and effort where we shouldn't be. Not saying you can't have nice things. Not saying you can't go out and have recreation. Not saying none of those things. But I'm saying there's got to be a balance in life. I'm also saying when you're on vacation, you're not on a vacation from being a witness. You're not on a vacation from being a child of God. Hey, I'll say something a lot of folks probably won't agree with, but I personally believe when you're on vacation, you're not on vacation from church either. A lot of people say, I'm on vacation, I don't got to go to church. Why? Find it in the Bible and call me and tell me where you found it. You won't find it. We're never on break being a child of God. When I go on vacation, I go to church. I believe God expects us to never take a break from serving Him, even in the least. I'm sorry, I'm just saying. It's the truth of the matter is, this woman, we don't know who she is. But I'm challenged by her example. After I got sick, I'm just going to be honest. After I got sick with the coronavirus, it kind of messed with me a little bit. It did. I was talking to the pastor today and some other wonderful folks I had the privilege to eat lunch with at Carriage Corner. Praise God, that was wonderful. But literally, when I got sick, when I got sick with coronavirus, I hit a spot in that that I couldn't sleep for like nine days. I would barely sleep at all. And you know what? Some of you have probably been there before, maybe, but that starts really messing with you. You can't think straight. You can't concentrate. You can't hardly keep your eyes open, but you can't seem to fall asleep. It was horrible. When I got sick, I went through a spiritual battle. You know what? The devil will kick you when you're down, folks. He will. 
But they, listen, he's not the victor. I'm still here. Praise God. I, God. God raised me back up and I still have something left that he wants me to say. But the truth of the matter is, is that something happened to me then. I started looking at my life. And I imagine anyone, not just if you get sick with a flu or sick with, you know, COVID or, you know, whatever illness it may be, or sometimes things happen in your life that shake you to the core. Don't have to be a sickness. Doesn't have to be. Sometimes those things make you look at yourself. And you'll start saying, Lord, am I doing everything I can? And if it don't, I think there's something wrong. I think God lets stuff happen to us sometimes just to help us to realize that we should rely on Him for everything. I'm not saying He sends it for a bit. But I do believe that God can allow things sometime to help us really do an inventory that otherwise we won't do because we're too busy living on the mountain when everything is just fine as all get out. But there's something I looked at myself. And I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not afraid to tell you the truth. I hit my knees in my bedroom. And I was broken. And I told the Lord that I was sorry. Because I realized that I probably could have been doing more than what I was already doing. So that's when I started putting more things on Facebook. Yeah, people probably don't watch them all that much. That's okay. But if one person watches something that God puts in my heart to say and gets saved, I'll be able to say, Lord, I've done what I could. I believe every one of us need to be literally looking at our lives right now. And that's what I want to leave you with tonight. At this closing revival service, revival don't end here, but at the close of this service, I'm asking you tonight, look right here. Are you doing what you can? I'd venture to say that I'm not the only one that had to hit my knees one time. I might not be the only one that needs to hit my knees today. I need to say, Lord, you know what? One ain't really doing it on purpose. Just got busy with life and then I realized, Lord, I'm not doing what I can. I'm not taking opportunity to witness or to invite people to church. Let me tell you something. We live in a day where the easiest thing that you could do is share your church's services on Facebook as a witness. A lot of us don't want to do that though, do we? Either that or we just don't think about it. And that's fine. But we live in a day when social media outreach is tremendous. Yeah, it's got its downsides to things, sure. But we can use it for God's honor and glory. And you know what? You know what you ought to do tonight? Not because you had some hillbilly preacher whatsoever. But you ought to, after you go home, just because he's here, don't mean you can't share that to your social media page. Because somebody that's friends with you might be down and discouraged. You don't even know what they're going through and might actually jump on that and look. There's a woman that I've never had the privilege to meet face to face yet. Her name's Miss Tina. She lives somewhere close to the church in Ohio that I pastor. And I try to make a point that I share, or I don't do it because I'm the preacher and I want people to see me. I really don't care. Okay, for all I care, you put a curtain up. Doesn't matter to me. This woman somehow come across our Facebook page, seen a service, seen another one, and now she rarely misses that I even am know of. She may not miss a one. But she sent something to us that simply told us that she is sick. And she has cancer. And she cannot leave her home. And she had went through other churches and checked on other churches, but just didn't feel, just didn't feel God speaking to her. And then she ended up stumbling upon our church and started seeing some of the services. And she 
was saying how thankful to God that she is. That we have these services available to her online, that she can see these church services and that can, she can get a blessing and feel God speaking to her, that she can feel uh, that, and be a part of that worship. She even knows that she can't get out. And you know, I had no, I don't, I never met her yet. I, do, I only know her name because of what she sent to me. And that happened because someone clicked share one time. It's the easiest thing that you and I can do right here, right now, today is share your church's services on Facebook. Some of y'all don't have a Facebook account, that's okay. Invite people to church with you. I went ahead and had these little cards made up without my face on them because, as you can see, my face is a little scary sometimes depending on where I'm at when I'm preaching. (laughs) But these little cards, the lady at our church printed up. They're very simple, general information. We handed them out to our church congregation and said, just start inviting people. You know, some of y'all are like me. I'd rather go through the self-checkout. I'm sorry if you work at Kroger or, or, well, not Kroger here, it's Wise's. You work at the grocery store. I don't, I'm not, you know, condoning taking jobs away from people. So I, I just like the self-checkout because I can get in, get out. But you know what? I still pass people. You still pass people every day. When is the last time that you invited someone to church? When you invited someone to church. As Christians, we think that we just got to sit back and everyone's just going to come to us. Most of the time that don't happen. Oh, yeah, it happens sometimes. Most of the time it don't. If you're going to do what you can, you're not going to sit here and wait for opportunities to happen to you. If you're going to do what you can, you're going to go out and you're going to look for opportunities. You're going to look for how you can serve the Lord. You're going to look for just simply what you can do. You've seen a beautiful picture of teenagers up here this morning using talent, or this evening, the talents that God has given them. But I'm sure they're not the only ones in this church that have talents. They're not only ones in this church that have eyesight, breath of air in their lungs. They're able to move, breathe, be able to do something. There are all sorts of folks, teenagers, old folks alike. It does not matter. Middle age, it does not matter where you're at in life. You can do something for the Lord and you should do what you can. You can send a card to a shut-in. You can call someone. You can text them. You and I fail so much. And I'm not getting down on you. It's me too. I realize that. Are we really doing what we can? Because we're running out of time. This world's not fixing to last here much longer. You and I need to do what we can. And that's the only way. Doing something for the Lord Jesus Christ is the only way to be able to do something that outlives your name. That continues on when you don't. So I ask you tonight. Are you doing what you can? I understand some stages in life, you may feel like you can't do much. There are some folks that you can't get out and you can't invite people to church on the street. You can't do that. There are other folks who can. But I just wonder tonight, are you doing what you can? God did a great work in this church this week. Do you realize that? People got help. The Spirit of God was felt here. It's not just something that we say. The presence of God was found here. God blessed you folks this week by honoring your prayers that you sought his face and you showed up desiring a move of God and God granted it and God does not want that move to stop. He wants you to continue to do what you can. Just do what you can. If everyone bow their head and close their eyes for just a moment. I wonder if we could have a piano player come. Could you thank you so much? You just play something softly for us. I want to ask you two questions here real quick. When heads are bowed and eyes are closed, listen. 
You may be here tonight under the sound of my voice. You may not know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I do not ask what I'm about to ask because I want to embarrass you. Do not say what I'm about to say because I want to point you out. I'm not going to do that. I ask you what I'm about to ask you because I am truly concerned about your soul. I don't know where you are with the Lord. I don't know your heart. I don't know if there's a day or time in your life that you have hit your knees, truly sorry for your sins and cried out to the Lord to save you, forgive you, and that you've placed your faith in Him to be your Lord and Savior. I don't know if you've done that or not. But if you're here tonight and you've never done what I've just described, you've never asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, no one's looking around, God knows your heart, but I ask you, Would you do me the privilege to allow me to be one that will pray for you? If you shoot your hand up and put it back down, I'll know that you're asking for prayer because you're not saved. And you have enough care for your soul that you want someone to pray for you. No one's looking around. How about it right now? All over this church house. Is there one that would raise their hand because you know that you need prayer because you're not right with God tonight? How about it? I will not not come... A push or pull on you will not point you out but I'll be praying if I see your hand anyone at all in this church house anyone at all would you raise your hand for a moment and put it back down anyone at all okay look at your heart tonight church can it really be said of you he hath done what he could she hath, she hath done what she could. Or is it said of you that they did sometimes what they could? There may be some of you today that need to come down to this altar and say, Lord, I'm asking you to forgive me for not doing what I can, but here I am to renew that. I've been revived in my service tonight. I want to do what I can. And I want you to use me to do what I can. Folks, don't let them just be words. Let them be truth from your heart. Lord, I want to do what I can. How about it? Would you come? Would you come all over the church house? Would you stand to your feet? And if God has spoken to your heart this evening all over the church house, would you stand if you're able? As this wonderful song is playing for us, I surrender all. Would you come and surrender all tonight? How about it? Right now, don't wait. Just step out. Can you really say that you're doing what you can? Surely, surely if we're being honest, there's, if we look inside, we can say, you know, Lord, I've really not been doing all that I can, but I know that I need to. How about it? Would you come tonight? Would you come tonight? Maybe you're going through something right now today that has shaken you to the core and it's making you look deep inside. Maybe you need to come get right with God tonight. Maybe you need to come and say, Lord, I realize tonight that I'm not where I should be, but I know where I need to be and I come to get right with you. Maybe you just want to come and you want to say, Lord, would you just show me these opportunities? Would you give me great courage? Would you give me the mindset, the heart set that's always looking, always looking for opportunities? Would you lay something on my heart that I can begin to do for folks now more than ever so that I can just simply do what I can? 
How about it tonight? Don't be afraid to step out. Just come tonight. Come tonight. Are you willing to come and surrender all? Say, Lord, nothing. I'm not holding back anything. It's all out right here. It is. I believe so much that there's some folks that just need to come to the altar tonight. I'm just going to be honest. The devil will just try to discourage you and just say, just stay in your seat. Just stay in your seat. But there's something special about coming to an altar of prayer, folks. Some of you that have done it this week, you know there's something special. And if you can't get down here, maybe you can come sit on the front. But I encourage you that you would come. When God has spoken to hearts, when He's moving, how I pray that you would come. The good news is you don't need to come alone. There is a church full of folks tonight, people tonight, that you can just grab someone by the hand and come. And if you will make one step, the strength of getting one step forward, you'll keep coming. I've seen it time and time again. If you'll just make one step, just step once, you watch, you'll keep coming. But it's your choice tonight. No one can force you to do it. It's your choice. How about it? Would you come? Are you really doing what you can? Are you really doing what you can? An honest question. A truly honest question. Are you doing what you can? Are you really? Are you really? Are you doing what you can?
be obedient to the Lord tonight, folks. Just come. What a beautiful place it is to be. Sweet spirit here tonight. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Have you responded tonight to whatever God's saying to you? Have you said tonight, God, I'm available, I'm listening, I'm responding, I'm giving, I'm saying give me all you have, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Pastor. Would you stand, please? Father, I'm so thankful tonight that you're calling to us. Just thinking of that story just a moment ago, thinking about, talking about the prodigal son and how the, the father is represented there on the porch with his arms wide open, running toward his son to come back. Lord God, that's how You are as You call to us and Your truth speaks to us. Your truth is like that Father who's reaching out to us saying, come home, respond, hear me. Lord God, I'm thankful for what we've heard tonight in these these special services. Thankful for the truth that's been there so, so real. Thank You for Your Word that is alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Thank You, God, that You call us to do what we can. Thank You for the example of this, this beautiful lady who's giving from her very core of being as an example that Jesus blesses and honors. And how, God, You, you love Your people. You love the church. You honor. You call us to do all that we can. Thank You for that power tonight. Thank You for those that have sought Your Spirit. Thank You for the answers to prayer. Thank You, Lord, for each one that's prayed, whether they're seated or standing or at the altar or at home. God, wherever we're at, Your Spirit's dealing with us, and we thank You for that tonight. Thank You again for Your presence. Thank You for this service. Thank You for these times that we've had together. God, may we be close to Your Spirit. Seek You in all that we are, I pray. In Jesus' name, Amen. 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 Blessings, friends. It's been rich. It's been precious. Thank You, Pastor. And thank You for being here. God bless.